Hey Tiger, this podcast contains language and explicit themes. Babes, welcome to This Body, a podcast about being in a body. Welcome to all returning guests. I'm delighted you've chosen Chateau Sophia for your stay. And welcome to First Time Holiday Makers. I'm your host, Sophia. This episode is part of the Capsule Collection, a conversation inside of the broader conversation, a small soiree, if you will. This is the second installment of From LA with Love, my attempt to make sense of my adopted city and the accompanying population of mind freaks. I'm a New Zealand yoga instructor, a rock and roll disciple living in LA, and today's topic is the industry, not the film industry, not the entertainment business, not the porn industry, but another industry that holds up the City of Angels, one that supports the livelihoods of the aspirants, the ingenues, the musicians, the artists as they pursue their higher goals. Because in the interim, in life's low seasons, everyone needs a suitable day job. The skills required to be a successful wellness influencer are niche and are found richly abundant in Los Angeles. It's problematic and things often go off the rails. Today we're talking about spiritual psychos in the Los Angeles wellness world. Here are some wellness services people I know pay for. A $450 an hour therapist who works with reality stars on and off screen and seems to have no qualifications at all. A sexual response doctor in Beverly Hills championed by Gwyneth Scoop. I'm just a freak, yeah. Who rolls a vibrator on women's genitals and thighs to bring them to orgasm. And a subscription vibe service where for $30 a month, good vibes are vibed to your house or wherever your vibe is. So it's weird. There's a lot of money and creativity floating around in this wide open desert space where the desert meets the ocean. A lot of greatness happening, a lot of silliness happening all the time. Everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) There's a saying here in Tinseltown, you're not an Angelino until you've accidentally joined a cult. So when I was living in Silver Lake in 2014, I was introduced to a guy who was a rock star, more of an elder statesman, shall we say. I thought he was nice and we were becoming friends, but he was actually a member of a group I call the Hollywood Buddhists who are really into recruiting new members. He invited me to chant at his house a few times, which was the sum total of the practice. He and the Hollywood Buddhists practice chanting the mantra, Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. It's actually very relaxing and I recommend it. So he did that for an hour or so each time. That was the entirety of the hang. And he added me to his mailing list. 
every Sunday I started receiving these kind of yelly, intense emails in which he called himself the religion pigeon. And sermonized about Nietzsche and Buddhism. This break-off sect with an aging celebrity population, Belinda Carlisle, Katie Lang, Herbie Hancock, believe that simply chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo can acquire you everything from perfect relationship harmony to a parking spot in Koreatown. Just chanting, that's it. With that said, I've studied Buddhism and my controversial distilled gleanings are the Buddha, the enlightened one, apparently, was a guy called Siddhartha, a guy who lived thousands of years ago in Nepal. Um, he was somebody's husband, somebody's father, but he hated his life. He named his son Burden, though there is some debate as to whether or not the translation is that. could just be like a moon phase, but could also be Burden. <laughs> he abandoned the family to go sit under a tree and think, and he made up a philosophy of compartmentalization that seems really relaxing. Uh, the problem Sid was grappling with at the time was being dissatisfied and feeling lack in his life. And by taking an extended break from his family responsibilities, he was able to calm down enough to put a philosophy system together that people are still somehow finding useful in postmodern late-stage capitalism. It seems to help a lot of people handle life's lulls and disappointments by calmly detaching from human emotion meditating and making sand art as a way to become more compassionate? It's not for me. I think between the two, I prefer the chanting for the parking space one. The Hollywood Buddhist's route to enlightenment is just more fun. You just buy their branded gohonzin, chant the mantra. I guess the thing that stands out is how a group that meets the criteria of being a cult has pretty much everything else in common with churches and worship groups that claim tax-exempt status. Cults come from culture. Before I go on, I would like to thank the listeners who have reached out to me directly on my Instagram at Sophia Forever. I love to hear from you. It feels amazing to connect over these weird topics that take my fancy. If you like the pod, I would love for you to rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you feel so moved, leave a rave review. Waiting tables and bar work is hard on the body and many aspiring entertainers find themselves in yoga classes to heal those things. They feel great or they go to a Reiki session and they vibe really high on that and then the pipeline opens from auditioning actor model to wellness professional. It suits them. To become a yoga instructor, all you have to do is take a 200-hour readily available course at pretty much any yoga studio. Most yoga studios offer 200-hour trainings um, as a way to bolster up their income. So it suits performers because there's a performance aspect to wellness. There's a chance to flex the acting muscles, to improvise, to think on your feet. You get feedback from an audience, a live audience, and a lot of these folks are beautiful and charismatic, and that makes them really well suited to leading an experience marketed as a retreat to people who need a little respite from the meat grinder we all live in. 
a spiritual retreat in the traditional sense. And by traditional, I mean the pan-Asian modalities incorporated into the wellness industrial complex in America. So like yogic teachings from the Indus Valley and Buddhist practices from Japan, from uh, China, all that stuff are contemplative traditions. And it's about a withdrawal from everyday life to focus on spiritual growth and reflection. So a solo journey, like hanging out in a cave in the mountains for a year, uh, introspection, meditation, solitude, seclusion. Yoga retreats by Western Yoga Studios are all about a prestige experience. Exotic, gorgeous locales, Costa Rica, Tulum, Sicily, wonderful vegan food, daily yoga classes, the chance to learn to surf, shop at the local markets, or take the highway to the spiritual bypass with an ayahuasca journey guided by shamans. Actually, the people I know who have gone off on the ayahuasca journey were much nicer afterwards for about three weeks, and then they went back to their original varying degrees of discontent. The urge to get away and rehab your life is very compelling, and when you set the whole idea of transformation against the backdrop of a faraway and mysterious land with great crafts, (laughs) pristine surf beaches, who can't see the allure? But I tend to think the conspicuous nature of traveling in a group clearly announcing themselves as tourists precludes the chance of a natural life experience. It's like coming to LA on vacation and going on a Starline bus tour of Mulholland. Just rent a car. There needn't be anything in between you and the experience. But that's what the business of wellness is all about. There's a person, a gatekeeper in between you and your spirituality. and You have to pay the piper. It's about creating a need to keep returning and paying for an experience. Like I said before, it's very hard to make a yoga studio turn a profit just by putting on classes. So they diversify their offerings to include teacher trainings and retreats. That's the nature of commerce. I think we should call these things what they are, a yoga holiday. Stress relief is a good enough reason to book a vacation. There's no need to pretend that we're doing anything other than that. So, the pandemic tore us all a new one. And the effect COVID had on the LA wellness industry was hellacious. In 2020, the first thing that I noticed happening was an Eastside yoga studio, which came under fire for allegedly having a racist and sexist culture and being hostile to the unhoused community in their area, which is pretty unyogic. <laughs> I had personally had negative experiences with the owner of this yoga studio. One time this man cornered me and told me that he was a wolf, an alpha wolf, pardon me, in a previous life, and tried to dom my chihuahua. Um, he insisted on keeping the studio open in the beginning. And this is when I first started seeing this really intense fracturing happening inside the yoga world. 
a contingent of body beautiful, narcissistic, fat shaming, fascistic tendencies came out of many yoga teachers whose lack of adequate training was really showing, it's really highlighting their shortcomings. There was this refrain, we need our yoga spaces or we need our gym spaces or whatever, like these places that people are just addicted to. As a yoga practitioner, what I know to be true is that yoga practice is about being fucking alone (laughs) and handling your shit. It was freaky to see these teachers with big followings and studio owners coming undone instantly, going full QAnon. I'm just a freak, yeah. Anyway, when this East Side yoga studio owner guy was finally forced to shutter by the city, he rebelliously displayed a copy of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s anti-vax book in the front window of his studio. RFK Jr. wants to be the president. What a shocker. He's currently putting his wife and family in danger because he just really wants to be on stage. He should have been a kundalini yoga teacher. I did a kundalini training once. I didn't actually realize till I was there that it was kundalini. I signed up for it because it was advertised as a program for yoga teachers to work with incarcerated people. When I got there, everyone was dressed in drapey white garments There were framed pics of the guru and his aviators everywhere from the 70s. And it was about 100 degrees in midtown Los Angeles with no air conditioning. We did hours of frog squats and kapalabhati breathing. There was a lot of talk of kundalini technology. And everyone had shiny, vacant eyes. I didn't return for day three. I just... I couldn't subject myself to the heat or the bullshit anymore, but they sent me my certificate anyway. So, being a yoga teacher is easy as fuck. It's totally unregulated. (laughs) Anyone can say that they're qualified to do whatever. The word kundalini is Sanskrit for snake. In classical yoga, it refers to latent female energy believed to be coiled at the base of the spine. Kundalini yoga is a system of meditation directed towards the release of kundalini energy, not to be confused with kundalini yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan, who brought the concept and his made-up religion to the West in 1968. Utilizing intense breath techniques and repetitious movements, Bhajan ladled on some exoticism and made millions. Akal Security and Yogi T are two of his enduring corporations. He got a lot of white people to wear Sikh turbans and hand their critical faculties off to him, the guru. So back to 2020, the landmark year of our collective freakout. I'd been hearing rumors about Yogi Bhajan being a predator for a few years by the time the shit finally hit the fan. In 2020, former prized teacher and exalted student of Bhajan, Pamela Dyson, released her memoir Premka, my life with Yogi Bhajan, and the Kundalini Reckoning was finally on. If you're interested, you should read the book. Suffice to say, Bhajan has been accused of sexual assault, child endangerment, and a lot of other things spiritual leaders ought not to be engaged in, but always are. I had a couple of brutal arguments with people grappling with the unmasking of the guru. 
it's really tough because the physical component, the yoga itself, is punishingly high octane and the resulting highs are addictive. That and the people who'd been practicing a bogus form of Sikhism for the past 50 odd years finding themselves adrift without the guru in a critical year for humanity. Some choose to continue to honor him despite the evidence presented by numerous victims. Denial. Isn't that a river in Africa? And then it got very esoteric, to my mind anyway, with the instant karma story of Guru Jagat that unfolded right on the heels of the Kundalini reckoning. Guru Jagat, also known as Katie Griggs or Kundalini Katie, takes the statuette for Best Actress in a Wellness category. Katie came to fame in Venice, California by telling people Yogi Bhajan himself had anointed her guru before his death. Turned out they never actually met, but she parlayed the grift into a song and dance yoga cult leader routine that attracted acolytes Alicia Keys and Kate Hudson. Guru Jagat crassly appropriated the Sikh turban, taught Kundalini to celebs, and platformed herself on a podcast called Reality Riffing. Personally, I never got the attraction to this chick. She looked crazy to me. But those who did were obsessed. Then in July, a Vice article came out accusing her of manipulation, business malpractices, exploitation. She was another one who refused to close during the early lockdown. And when she finally adhered, she went to her podcast to platform a lot of Illuminati, conspiracy Pizzagate types. Some followers were concerned Jagat was going fully off the rails. Then one month later, in August, Guru Jagat, Katie Griggs, 41 years old, died. Cult leaders have a God complex. As COVID hysteria pitched up and up, Guru Jagat's globetrotting lifestyle had amped up too. Whilst in Europe, she broke her ankle and was advised not to fly, but fly she did back to LA, where she died post-surgery of a pulmonary embolism. And it was over, just as it was getting really crazy. Some people think she faked her own death to escape cancellation. Her videos and podcasts are still available. They're a time capsule of the most insane era of our lifetimes. So the pandemic fucked us all in the head. A studio I used to like on the west side went to shit immediately when the slim, blonde, Malibu-residing owner went full Karen, blaming fat people and cheap cookware for the spread of COVID-19. She suggested her followers replace theirs with French copper, which of course would be ideal if they weren't $300 for a single saucepan. Classist and racist undertones abound on the West Side. Trends govern us. Breathwork is so trendy right now. There are lots of classical breathing techniques or pranayama, but I'm talking about newfangled breathwork offered everywhere in the California wellness arena and honestly in any city that has a hipster contingent. If you're unfamiliar, it's where you lay in a room with a bunch of other people and start a short, sharp breath series that causes hyperventilation and voluntary physical activations. You're also encouraged to yell and scream and cry for a big release, like a big group orgasm of sorts. Oh, daddy. Yeah. Breathing air and moving energy around your body is very effective, and it loosens up stagnation. But after... 
something like this after you scream and cry and heave and hoe in a room full of strangers. Then you go home alone and you have to deal with yourself. And that's where they fucking get you. Pay for this course. Come to this life-changing load of shit. Get out of here. If Pamela Dyson's book marked the beginning of the COVID era, Burning Man 2023 was the bookend I needed to mark the end of it. Everyone in LA loves it when Burning Man or Coachella is on because the city empties out and all the annoying people go away and it's just dreamy. So it was with some appreciation that I watched as Burning Man 2023 turned into a disaster zone when an unexpected amount of rain fell on the playa, causing the sand to turn to mud and cutting off exit routes for 73,000 burners. I don't wish any human beings ill, of course, but it was funny. And honestly, they seemed to enjoy it. They seemed well equipped. After a decade in Los Angeles, I do now speak semi-fluent astrology, at least as it pertains to my sign, despite my opinion that it's scientifically unsound. I've never believed in astrology, but my friends who are into astrology say that's a typical opinion for a Taurus. Last year, I got a psychic reading from someone I never met in person. We spoke on the phone for 20 minutes. Then she vibed on my energy and called me back the next day. She told me lots of things. She told me my mother was a cosmic waterfall in outer space, spewing forth the codes of the universe, and most importantly, that I was doing everything right and to just keep on doing what I'm doing. Best 260 bucks I've ever spent. Infinitely more valuable than the $450 reality therapist with no degree. I guess we all have to find our own way in life and decide what we find useful and what is extraneous distraction. We all want to find Nirvana, but all evidence gathered needs to be brought back to the lab for testing. I think that sometimes what feels so right in the moment is often a mirage of intimacy and community that is, at best, a fair capitalistic exchange, at worst, in service of narcissistic wannabe gurus who crave your money. As much as it might feel like it, yoga studios are not community spaces, they're businesses. They're going concerns that must turn a profit, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's our Western lineage, after all. Those are the roots that we can rightfully claim. Life is really hard. It gets really lonely sometimes, and it's during those times that we are vulnerable to the cons of this world. But we can't buy liberation. It's free, but... Till next time. Guys, thank you so much for your ears today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Body Podcast, the capsule collection from LA with Love. Please leave me a review, rate five stars. Have a good week. Talk to you soon.